Wednesday, May 23rd, 2018. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. Hey, Chet, great job last week with your full house of guests. I, I did get to listen to uh, to it from the Hawaiian Islands of Kauai. Um, it's not great to be back to work, but it's great to be back with you here on Philly Press Box Radio. Yeah, great to have you back, Bill. I'm sure you had an amazing time. I saw a bunch of the pics that you and your family posted, and it looked wonderful. Let's find a couple of minutes later on in the show to hear some of the highlights of your trip. We'll do it. We'll do it. And, hey, uh, I'll tell you, the real challenge in trying to keep up with the Philly sports world from out there is the six-hour time difference. Sixers games were starting between 11 and 2, and, you know, in the, in the afternoon. Uh, Philly's getaway game in Baltimore actually started at 6 a.m. Hawaiian time. Tough to keep up. Yeah, and, you know, but then you look around, you see all the palm trees, the mountains, the blue water, and you probably said, I don't care quite as much about that Phillies Orioles playing a game in the rain right now. That's exactly right. It it is a little hard to catch up, but you just got to follow on your computer a little bit. But, hey, speaking of the Phillies, Chet, we've heard a lot about how that farm system is stacked, and tonight we're going to talk all about it with Philly, uh, futurephillies.com editor Jim Payton. Jim, welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio. Hi, thank you. Hey, Jim, this is Chet, and uh, let's get right to it. My first question, have you ever known anyone in baseball who's had more injuries in four years than Speedy Phil's prospect, Roman Quinn? I see he's back on the DL yet again. Yeah, no, I don't. That, that, that's a shame. He's such a good player. I thought this would be his year. Let me ask you, uh, what, what is his future? I mean, if he can stay healthy, is he ever going to be a player? We know he's got speed. We know he can hit when he's healthy. Um, do you see him recovering and, you know, maybe getting the shot? I would think so. He, he's um, he's uh, Rule 5 eligible this year at the end of the season. So, yeah, you, if you get a chance to get him up, bring him up, see, see if he's healthy after his surgery. Hey, hey, Jim, I wanted to ask you, uh, if you look at the Phillies' prospects, and and your list is the same as another list that I've looked at, there don't seem to be, at least in the top 20, many quality left-handed pitchers. And I've always been a believer that if you're going to win a World Series, you're going to have a lefty ace. And the Phillies' system seems to have a lot of talent, but not a lot of lefties. Well, we've got Cole Irvin sitting down there in um, Lehigh, he looked good when he came through Clearwater last year. Um, we've got some young guys a little further down that I like to watch. Like uh, right now we have Bailey Falter in, in uh, Clearwater. Nick Fanny just came off the disabled list. We've got uh, Will Stewart lighted up in, in Lakewood. Yeah, well, I guess my I guess my question would be, I mean, if if you're a Clearwater or Lakewood in 2018, where where would you see the impact in the big leagues? I mean, we're we looking three more years out, well, four more years out. For a starter, 2020, the earliest, I guess, mid 2020. I, I just read this week that they're targeting right-hander Cito Sanchez for sometime in 2019, which is very aggressive, I think. But if, if if he can make it in 2019 and he's in Clearwater now, then the other guys that are in Clearwater should be able to, you know, threaten to be there in 2020. Ooh. Hey, Jim, a minute ago you mentioned Cole Irvin. Uh, he's at Lehigh Valley, as is Eniel De Los Santos. Irvin is 4-1 and one with a 2.81 ERA. Uh, Los Santos is 5-1 and one with a 1.39 ERA. So obviously those guys are off to a great start in AAA. Are they both legitimate prospects? I I think so. Yes, I I didn't get to see De Los Santos much. He was a trade last year, and he he just bypassed Clearwater altogether. I saw him in spring training, and he looks to be a looks like he's got pitchability. Looks like he knows what he's doing on the mound. He's a hard thrower. Um, I saw more of Irvin, and Irvin just a tricky little lefty there. He I I think they'll. Maybe sometime next year. I know this this I sure this year the Phillies rotation looks about sixty to eighty percent set right now. Yeah. Yeah, they sure do. And they and they're getting some really good quality starting pitching and uh 
obviously that's keeping them keeping them in the mix right now, which is a good thing. Uh, you know, I guess the other the other thing, uh, and you you could tell us about your Clearwater ties and that you uh, that you live down there and you watch the Thrushers a good bit. Is that Mickey Moniak? He's a guy that I really like, but it keeps coming out that Mickey always ends up being the youngest guy in his league. And he ends up struggling a bit. Uh, is it is it getting late for Mickey, even though he's only maybe 20 years old? He just turned 20, um, what, eight, nine days ago. Mm-hmm. He's still young for the league. The league average is over 22 years old. He, uh, For people that are just looking at the box score line each night, each morning rather, yeah, they're going to they're gonna be disappointed when they see what they see. But since I see him at the home games and you know, certain away games, I, I can see the development. I can see that he's progressing. And he's, he's there for a reason. He uh, he did everything they asked him to do in spring training and in the off season. He had a great off uh, spring training. He 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 earned the uh, promotion. I would have preferred to see him start Lakewood again, get a couple, get a hundred at bats or two hundred bats down there build on that success but they chose to challenge him as they've been doing recently with their top picks and uh, I can't argue with them I, I see that he's getting better it just doesn't show in the box score Hey, Jim, two years ago, Hoskins and uh, Dylan Cousins were bashing all those home runs. Hoskins, of course, now with the big club. But Dylan Cousins still at Lehigh Valley, and he's got seven home runs, but he's only hitting two twenty nine. I see. What's going on with Dylan Cousins? I just, he looked so good prior to spring training. He was one of the guys that reported early. He was here in January. Um, and I watched him working with Charlie Manuel. And he was really hitting the ball well. I mean, it's you know pre-spring training, and it's, he's hitting off coaches and whatnot. But he uh, he had his hands in a good spot, and he had a nice, beautiful swing. And Charlie was happy with him. Charlie was uh, coaching him that he doesn't need to hit with 100% of his power. 70 to 80% of it is good enough to hit a ball for him to hit a ball over the fence. And he really looked good. And even when he started in the spring training games since he was on the 40-man roster, I could see that his at-bats looked better. It wasn't you know, flailing away at three pitches low and away. He was working the pitchers, working the count, balling off the, 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 tough, the tough pitches. Still eventually struck out sometimes, but you could, you just, you could see some development with him. I don't know what's going on up in Lehigh. Why he's I mean, I know he can. When he was when he played for Clearwater, he hit 276. And I know that year that he was asked to um, concentrate on making contact and not to hit home runs. So I know he can hit for average. They know he can hit for average. It's just a matter of combining them. Of course, when he was with Clearwater, he only hit five home runs. And then the following year, we went to Reading, and he hit 40 home runs. And his his average only dropped to 270. But his home, as his, his strikeouts rose dramatically. Uh, so that's the mm-hmm. price you pay nowadays for home runs. You get the strikeouts. Right. Well, another one I had a question about uh, Jim, and he's only just getting ready to turn 21 years old next week, and that's a 2015 first round draft choice, Cornelius Randolph, really struggling at Reading, hitting just 194 with one home run. Um, what do you see for Randolph? He, came, he certainly came with high hopes, and uh, he, he struggled a bit. Yeah, I remember watching Cornelius at, um, in the GCL games. He had a really beautiful swing he, from the left side there. He made great contact. He, he didn't try to pull the ball. He hit the ball where it was pitched, and he, he, would, he went um, gap to gap. But I don't know if when they started, but by the time he got to Clearwater, they wanted him to pull the ball. And he's hmm. changed his stance and his approach. He's trying to, you know, they want to pull everything. And I assume that's what's leading to his um, low numbers now. When he was in Clearwater last year, 
it was amazing how many balls that he hit hard, right? He hit them right on the right on the screws, but right to the first baseman on a line drive. And then they start hmm. me. Here's a kid that went gap to gap, and teams were shifting him. So he's a much different hitter now. Um, I mi- I miss his beautiful swing. Hey, hey, Jim, quick follow-up on Cornelius. Uh, you know, he hit 13 home runs at Clearwater. As we know, those Florida State League yards are big yards. You hit 13 home mm-hmm. runs there, you're, you're banging a ball around. Uh, do you think, that, uh, to follow up on your thing about changing his swing into a pull hitter, do you think they thought that he had maybe some serious big league power and thought, Let, let's just get this guy hitting bombs and we'll sacrifice that average and maybe we can make him into a 30-home run guy? I don't know what they think, but I I think that they if they saw him as a left fielder that he had to hit a he had to hit home runs to fit the left field profile. You expect power out of your corners, and I I I, I, I don't know why you wouldn't want a guy that could hit 300. You know if he wasn't going to hit power there, but I don't know, it's it's a shame because he looked like he could have been a hitter. Yeah. He doesn't look like a power hitter. Hey, Jim, we have to... any kind of power who who goes to Reading displays it. It seems and he's not. Yeah, Jim, we have to ask you about that Sixto Sanchez, one of the organization's top pitching prospects. Where is Sixto right now, and how's he coming along? He's uh, he's in Clearwater, and he looks every everything you heard about him is true. <laughs> <laughs> he has a strong arm. He, I don't know how he does it. He's only he's listed at six foot. Maybe he's that tall. <laughs> he he just he's really progressing. When I first remember seeing him last year, he uh, he would he threw violently. He had a a real violent like, follow through. Now he's pitching within himself, and he's he's hitting a hundred, hundred and one, ninety nine. And and he's working in his his um, off speed pitches now. He's got a, uh, a curveball, a change up, and a slider. Uh, I think that when he gets some definition between his slider and his curveball, or his change, excuse me, that he'll move up to Reading. It could be within the next few starts. Nice, nice, nice. Very good. Now it's hey, not Jim. he won't be here anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> he'll be back in January or February, though. You'll get to see him on the big on the big stage. Hey, yeah, hey, but Jim, when, he, when he goes up, though, we'll get someone from Lakewood. Yep, there that's true. Hey, hey, Jim, I wanted to ask you about uh, the Phil's move with that Scott Kingry. Kind of unprecedented. Uh, looked like he was probably going to come out of camp and not make the team uh, so they could keep control. They pulled off a really big deal for him. Uh, to mm-hmm. keep him long term. How? I mean, what did you see in Kingry? Did did this all surprise you as he's progressed on through? Well, I'll have to be honest with you. When he came through Clearwater, I didn't. I was not that impressed. He, hmm. To me, he was just another slap hitting second baseman who had to get the ball into the gaps and was fast enough to get it get a double out of it or to beat out an infield hit. And then he, uh, the following season, he came. He was invited to Phillies camp, and he was lights out. I thought, wow, how did I not see this? And I heard mm-hmm. that in, the, in that off season, he'd worked out with Aaron Judge in Vegas. Uh-huh. And whatever workout he was doing, it really worked. Muscle of that. So I, I was, I was very surprised. But since then. Um, the contract they did with him, it didn't surprise me at all. I thought it was a brilliant idea on their part. Yeah, me too. It gave him some security, and it gave the team control for a few years. Yeah, and I'm sure he'll snap out of it. Uh, speaking of snapping out of it, I need to talk about Reese Hoskins. He came out of uh, AAA last year, joined the big club, and hit 18 homers in 50-some games. Looked like a superstar in the making. Got off to a decent start this year, but now he's really scuffling. One for his last 23 Lots of strikeouts. Um, is Reese Hoskins going to be okay? Based on what I saw in the minors, yeah. It's just it's just a matter of an adjustment. He 
the other teams have scattered him. They've seen him enough that they've made their adjustment, and he's just got to adjust back. And mm-hmm. he hit consistently at each level of the minor leagues that he passed through. I'm, I'm sure he'll work it out. Uh, I think so, too. Hey, hey, Jim, another guy I wanted to ask you about that. Jorge Alfaro is uh, starting to really improve a little bit, struggled in spring training, hit the ball, struggled out of the out of the chute, uh, hit the ball. His defense, his arm is a cannon. Um, how do you see him progressing? Obviously, he's a rookie. He's going to struggle. But do you see him being a, a 280 big league hitter? I love Jorge Alfaro. <laughs> I was at the complex uh, after when they made the trade for him. When he was including that in the trade, he, he when we got him, he was on the DL, so he started out down here. And one day, when he was healthy enough, they had him take live hit live batting practice off a pitcher who was getting ready to come off the DL. I won't mention the pitcher's name because Alfaro really lit him up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar with the complex, but he was on Carlton Field, and there were cars parked in the outside on the other side of the left field fence, and he was he was bombing them. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, wow, look at this guy. And he had arms that were just as, like the size of two of mine. You know, it, it, they were just huge and, and rippled. And then when I saw him in, in spring training, when he threw the ball from home plate to second base, he throws it on a line. And he was accurate. The only guy that, who, was, who was as accurate as he was was Carlos Ruiz. And he didn't get it there on the line. He, his had a lot of arc to it. I thought, Wow. If this kid can can catch and just hit a little bit, he's going to be a real real find for us. And I hope he hope he can. <clears throat> well, Jim, speaking of real finds, a guy who's been on the big club just a few weeks now has really taken the town by storm. If you're a you know true Phillies fan, and that's that Sir Anthony Dominguez. I know your buddy Steve Potter was very high on him when we had him on uh, with us back in April, I believe it was. Um, I know you've watched this kid. He's almost unhittable since he's been up. Sir Anthony Dominguez, tell me about him. Uh, he was a uh, he's he was a favorite down here. He uh, let's see, last year he started. He was a starter and he was pitching well, real well. And then he had an injury, and he missed six, seven weeks. When they they had him throw a game at the Gulf over in the Gulf Coast League. And his velocity was back, but he didn't have his control back yet. So they figured he may as well throw against, you know, batters in the Florida State League, so they sent him up there. And without his control having come all the way back, he his uh, his lines didn't look so good, but he was still the same pitcher you could see. And then I know they made the decision to try him in the bullpen because it would get him to the major leagues quicker because we have such a backlog among starters. And a, and a reliever doesn't have to have all three or four of his pitchers working. He just needs fastball and another pitch. And he's been very successful with it. He doesn't surprise us at all down here that he moved as quickly as he did once they moved him to the bullpen. And now he's throwing harder. I hear he's up to 97, 98. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was 94, 95 as a starter. So he can really let it go now. Oh, hey, Jim, uh, I have one final question for you. I, I guess uh, the Phils are sitting here. They're a game and a half out of first place. They're playing really good baseball overall. Uh, what you saw in spring training, are you surprised by how these Phillies came out? I think they're they're playing far better than most expected. Um, once again, I have to admit that I, I was – I'm surprised. I was uh, – Me too. I heard a, uh, a survey <laughs> – um, for uh, uh, I think Matt Winkleman from Philly's Minor Thoughts, another blogger, and he had asked a bunch of us, you know, other guys that, that you know follow the Phillies and the organization, what we thought and what our bold prediction was. Well, my bold prediction was that they were going to be sellers at the trade deadline. So, <laughs> so much for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm, I think I'm I, with I, you. I, I thought that might. Uh, get close to 80 wins but I wasn't I wasn't really sure of that now it's geez I don't see any reason why they can't keep this up right get they're certainly exciting this year right yeah absolutely you bet. you bet 
Well, hey, Jim, uh, before we let you go, tell us uh, where we can find you, where the listeners can find you, where's your information and all that. Uh, I'm on uh, Future Phillies. It's uh, futurephillies.com. It's uh, future with a PH because we're clever. Yes. <laughs> the Phillies motif. I'm on uh, Twitter at JimPayton19. That's P E Y, not P A Y. And uh, my, my site's uh, got some pretty insightful commenters on it. Okay. They have some really, they're having some really good discussions now about the upcoming draft. Great Very stuff. Good. Thanks, Jim. All right, Jim. Futurephillies.com, future with a PH, editor Jim Payton. Jim, we certainly appreciate you taking the time to join us. Okay. Thank you for having me. Uh, Take all care. Right. Bye-bye. Well, as we head into the Memorial Day weekend, I'm looking at the calendar of events at the Irish Rovers Station House in Langhorne, PA, and there is a lot going on over the next month. The Irish Rovers' Chris Gaskill is here to give us some of the highlights. Hey, Chris. I don't even know if I can get to all of it, but we're going to give it a try. Saturday, WMMR will be here with Sam Adams for a ticket giveaway starting at 6 p.m. Wednesday night, we have trivia with our Stella Chalice giveaway at 5 p.m. Also, Thursday nights, we're really excited to announce that we have a new DJ coming in to spin actual records, if you can believe that. Thursday the 31st is our Phillies tailgate party at 7.30. I've got tickets to give away to a Phillies game, plus a lot of great swag from Budweiser. And coming up soon is our Father's Day car show, June 17th, so bring your vintage car down. All the proceeds go to the Bucks County Community Foundation, and if not, come bring Dad for a cheesesteak and check out some great cars. The 6th Annual Father's Day Car Show. Lots of great events to kick off the summer season at the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne. Details on the web at irishroverstationhouse.com. Hey Chet, I have to I have to get a clarification on that on that ad from the over Irish Rover Station House. Did I hear yeah. Jim Chet Chesco, Irish Rover Station House, and WMMR all at the same time? <laughs> <laughs> WMMR is doing a ticket a ticket giveaway there this Saturday for an upcoming Pierre Robert presents gig, which I think is a week from Friday. So they're going to give away some tickets to that Saturday night, and I had nothing to do with it. Uh huh, but I have a feeling you'll probably be there getting one of them selfies. You never know. You just never know. <laughs> All right. Hey, Chet, Philly Press Box Radio has a big announcement to make on something we've been working on for some time now, and we're really excited about it. Yeah, um, here's the deal, Bill. Uh, we have this announcement. We want to give it to our listeners right now. Um, as you well know, we've been doing the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable for just over four years and doing so via blog talk radio. Well, forgive me, LeBron, but as of early June, we're taking our talents to South Jersey. Yeah, we're going to be doing our show, and I'll be there every week in person, from the studios at Wildfire Radio down in Westville. Or is it Deptford? I don't know. Westville, Deptford, whatever. Philly Press Box Radio will be part of the Wildfire Radio Group. And that is Philadelphia, the Philadelphia region's premier podcast network. Now, here's the other thing. We will have a new time slot. We'll be coming to you live every Thursday evening from 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. Not Wednesday, but Thursday. I know that's going to take some getting used to, but I'm sure all of our listeners will. Why the switch? Well, for one thing, you will notice crystal clear audio quality, thanks to the great setup down at Wildfire. For another, there will be more of a chance of having guests join us live right there in the studio. In fact, our first two guests may very well be doing just that on Thursday, June 7th, and the following Thursday. Additionally, with the backing of Wildfire, we should be able to grow our audience significantly, and of course, that's the goal of pretty much everyone who does shows like this. Now, I don't know about you, Bill Furman, but since you and I have never actually done a show side-by-side in the same room in our four years of doing this. I'm looking forward to this venture and to have you sitting right there in the studio with me for our June 14th show. That's the that's the plan. That's the hope. And uh, really looking forward to it. It's kind of exciting. And uh, I think the Wildfire people are, are really showing that they want us to be part of this team, too. And, and that's exciting as well. Yeah, they have a lot of people uh, doing their shows through their group. That includes D. Lynham. We love D. Lynham. Mike Kern and Keith Cooney, or Kevin Cooney, I'm sorry. They do a show together. 
Um, Big Daddy Graham has a show on Wildfire. In fact, I was in the Big Daddy Graham studio the other night on Monday when I was down there making a surprise guest appearance on a two-hour show. They pulled me in off the street and threw me on the air with them, so that was kind of fun. Um, And let me say this also. If you have a business and you're looking for some affordable advertising, be sure to reach out to Bill or me because we do hope to add an additional sponsor to help us cover the costs associated with this new venture. And we're going to stick with Irish Shore Station House, of course, but we could use an additional sponsor or two. So if you're interested, please touch base with Bill or me. And I can't wait to see that Big Daddy Chesco studio we're going to walk into. No, not Big Daddy Chesco. Not Big Daddy Chesco. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and this this, uh, song came to mind while I was uh, talking about all that. Remember that? A big hit back in the earlier mid-70s. Michael oh, Murphy, yeah. Wildfire. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm looking forward to it, and uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be hard to get used to because my week kind of, as yours is too, Chad, and our families is uh, around Wednesdays. We're not going anywhere because we got to get ready for the sh- this show and do the show. Uh, it takes out Wednesday night. So getting used to doing it on Thursday is going to be a little bit different for all of us. Yeah, you get into habits as far as when you start planning the show, when you and I put the agenda together. You know, you do your half, I do my half. Uh, Now we're going to hopefully have it all ready to go at 6 o'clock on Wednesday night but not be able to do the show until Thursday evening. But like I said, we're all going to get used to it starting June 7th. And we can tell you right now our first guest June 7th will be that Lou Nolan, Flyers PA announcer. So Lou's looking forward to it. He already mentioned that on Facebook, and we're looking forward to talking to Lou. And uh, we're going to have some fun. You bet. Well, hey, Chet, let's move on. Let's talk uh, some more about those big league Phillies. As we said, 46 game in, 27-19 and 19 record, sitting a game and a half behind those Braves. And interesting, the Phillies are getting really good start pitching. As we said, it's put them third least runs allowed in the National League in spite of some closer issues. Well, yeah, Bill, the pitching has certainly been a nice surprise. The hitting has not been great much of this season, but I think that will come around for the guys who have been struggling. But the key, as it so often is in baseball, is pitching. And right now the Phillies are looking good. Aaron Nola had a subpar start last week, but he's been pretty great all season. Jake Arrieta is on the hill as we speak in a big one, the rubber game between the Phillies and those first-place Braves. Vince Velasquez has had more good outings than bad this year. We're happy to see that. And how about Nick Pavetta? He has been terrific much of this season, particularly over the last three starts. So, yeah, that pitching staff has certainly outperformed expectations, and they're going to need to continue to get that kind of pitching if they're going to be a true contender. Yeah, and, and I think absolutely, and they got to stay healthy, obviously. Uh, but I think the thing, oh, you know, we got to talk about the closer, and Neris has had his issues. Uh, Gabe Kapler ran him out there again the other night after he had Dominguez throw the eighth. I think everybody was expecting Dominguez to throw the ninth. Uh, But he ran Neris back out there. He did the job. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. As we know, that, that closer role is quite a mental situation. Yeah, we talked with Jim about that. Uh... Sir Anthony Dominguez, he's looked great. He's only given up just that one hit now in uh, last night's game, I guess, or Monday night's game. He's been pretty much unhittable, as we said, and he's got to be the future closer. Uh, I've heard Gabe Kapler not willing to admit to that just yet. He's saying it's going to be based on matchups and all that, but anybody who's watching these guys knows that Sir Anthony Dominguez has closer written all over him, and I think it's going to be you know, within the next month that it's going to happen pretty much all the time. Well, you know, and another guy that's underneath the radar on that pitching staff, I think, is that a Dubre Ramos. You know, he's he's only one and zero, but he's got a .96 ERA in 21 games. He's got 22 strikeouts in 18 innings. Uh, he's done a heck of a job, and I think, like I said, I think he's kind of under the radar out there. Oh yeah, yeah, he has done a real nice job. And I mean, they're still waiting for Pat Nishak to get healthy and get back into action. So I don't know what's going on with him, but. Um, bullpen could be okay, uh, assuming, you know, Dominguez continues to progress like he has been, assuming Nishak does get healthy at some point, assuming Ramos, Ramos uh, continues to do his job. I haven't been overly impressed with Tommy Hunter, to be honest. I think he's been a bit of a disappointment. But other than that, I- I'm really impressed with the overall pitching staff. So hopefully that'll keep it up. Absolutely. And, and I'll tell you, uh, we talked about this a few weeks ago, I think, and uh, I'm, I'm going to go back and check this, Chet, just for you. That's Re- that Reese Hoskins average has dropped about 100 points. 
uh, as you yeah. mentioned with the slump. But uh, that almost, I think, relates to the day he moved to that number two spot in the batting order, and they just won't get him out of there. Get him out of that two-hole. Yeah, he has not done well there, that's for sure. Um, on the other hand, Carlos Santana has heated up since they moved him into the cleanup spot. So, you know, at least he's hit, getting hits now and driving in a lot of runs. So that's good. Odubel Herrera had his on-base streak snapped the other day. You were not happy with the fact that they did say it was not an on-base thing when he got there after striking out and reaching base, but that's just the way it is. Um I'm sure Reese is going to pull out of this. He's too good to continue to go, you know, one for 23, one for 30. I think he'll be all right. Like uh, Jim Payton said, make some adjustments. Maybe you sit down for a day, continue to work on it. And I think the weather's going to heat up and so will Reese Hoskins. Uh, absolutely. And, and we, you know, we talked about that before as well. Uh, Kingry, Crawford, uh, Hoskins, Alfaro, they're, they're all going to struggle. Nap, they're going to struggle. They're kids and, uh, Again, Jim said, uh, you know, the, the big league pitchers find holes in that swing and they attack it until you adjust. And that's uh, – Hoskins is still a rookie, theoretically, and uh, that's that's what's going to happen. I, I don't have a problem with him. I just wouldn't leave him in that two spot. I'd never put him there. I got you. Him. And, and to, to your point on um, Santana, I find it interesting that he is heating up and he's hitting some home runs. His average is still only 195. You would think with what appeared to be a bunch of hits that that average would be coming up. He's still under that 200 mark, and uh, he looks like – here's a blast from the past for you, Chad. He looks like Dr. Strangeglove down there at first base. Like he doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> well, yeah, he's had, what, four errors in the last four or five games. So he's been struggling. He made a horrible throw last night on an infield uh, grounder trying to get a guy at the plate. Just horrible. But he's he's better than that, and we know that. Uh, anyway, exciting season for the Phillies, and I think they are going to stay in contention, hopefully right on through September and into October. We'll see. Hey, Bill, before I forget, I want to throw this in here. Although you were enjoying your vacation, you heard last week's show with our pal Mike Sealski joining me. I'm sure you took notes on Ashley Greenblatt's fitness tips, and I know also that you enjoyed my talk with WMMR's Jackie Bam Bam. What a fun guy. <laughs> I love that dude. And I just want to mention that we got some real good feedback on that Bam Bam interview on Twitter, or as Jackie likes to call it, Twatter. Yes, he does. And uh, Jackie said a whole bunch of people at MMR, including a couple of big shots, heard the interview and really enjoyed it. And then just for the heck of it, I called in to thank Jackie Bam Bam during his Friday night show on MMR, and this is what happened. Ray White calling it rock and roll, and who's calling me now? Jackie Bam Bam, it's your pal Chet. How are you tonight? Jimmy Chet Chesco woke me up out of my coffin, did a great interview, and internet sports show, but somehow Chet wanted me on it. People can listen to it. Where's it at, Chet? Philly Press Box Radio. I love how you synced up the pictures as we were talking. I loved your comment that I have more pictures of you than Mama Bam Bam does. <laughs> <laughs> Chet, good to hear from you. We'll see you at the MMRBQ tomorrow. Yes, thanks for helping to boost my water cred. <laughs> <laughs> Give it to us one more time so everybody can uh, listen to the great interview you did. Billy Prestbox Radio and Jackie Bam Bam, perfect together. Chet Chesco, let's turn up the radio. It's autographed right now. Yeah. Jackie Bam Bam, you rock, man. <laughs> there you go. Excellent. Hey, you, you can surprise <laughs> me. I didn't even know about that. That's good stuff. And uh, Hey, one thing about Jackie Bam Bam, he's from South Philly, there's no doubt. Oh, yeah, you could tell. You could tell. He, he, he sounds all South Philly. And I did see him at the MMRBQ on Saturday. We had a nice probably 10-minute talk. Great guy. I mean, people were lined up to talk to him, take pictures with him, and he spent way more time with me than he needed to. So he, he's a good dude. Nice, nice. Well, you know, it goes back to what I said in that opening. Irish Rover Station House, WMMR, and Jim Chechesco. It all goes together. <laughs> yes, sir. It's like a, it's like a mixed drink. all right hey Chet. let's get back to talking some philly sports let's talk some flyers news i think uh a bit under the radar too the promotion of morgan frost to carter hart to lehigh valley phantoms in my mind is a huge move for the flyers they're bringing these guys up i don't know that they're going to get to play much in this uh tournament there's they're already down two nothing in the series uh carter hart is the player of the year in the minor leagues but Alex Lyon's been outstanding throughout the playoffs. Certainly hasn't been his fault that they're losing this series each of the first two games by one goal. 
Uh, I don't know how much they're going to play, but I like them being up at the next level. Well, I'm not sure about Morgan Frost, the high-scoring forward, in terms of whether he might get on the ice. But as for goalie Carter Hart, who, as you mentioned, was so sensational in the WHL, he was 31-6-4, a 1.60 goals against average en route to the goaltender of the year and league MVP awards. He will not play for Lehigh Valley in the postseason here. He's just there, as he was a year ago, by the way, to be around more of the upper-level prospects and take in the AHL playoffs up close and personal. But he, he is fourth or fifth on the list of goalies there at Lehigh Valley right now as far as you know this uh, playoff series. So he will not be playing from what I understand. He is expected, though, to be with Lehigh Valley this fall. And don't be shocked if he gets promoted to the big club if Brian Elliott or Michael Neuvert or whoever is there this fall falters. Carter Hart, I think, is the guy long-term, and it could be you know, maybe as soon as this December. We'll see. Well, and, you know, I like that Alex Lyon when he was up. And, uh, yeah. you know, they kind of went away from him uh, when they brought Missouri in, and, uh, and then they went back to the veteran guys. But I like Lyon when he was up. And, and just for stats-wise – Nine playoff games so far this season, a 1.84 goals against average, and he's lost three games. I mean, you've given up and I think two it was, goals and you've lost three times. I think it was right at the beginning of your Hawaiian vacation that he was in that five-overtime game, yep. and he yep. made like 96 saves. So that, that was quite a night for Alex. I'm sure he's still recovering from that one. Yeah, well, and I think he made 46 again uh, the other night. So he's been busy. goaltended – yeah, I mean, I think with Lyon and Hart in the mix here, um, you know, it, that goaltending situation that you despise so bad, maybe it's going to clear itself up in somewhat of the near future. Yeah, I'm hoping one of those guys does uh, do the job. Stolarz is still around, too, but we know he that is. Brian Elliott and Michael Neuvert are only there for the next season, and they will not be here two years from now, trust me. Yeah, well, I'm wondering uh, – you know, by by this move of moving these guys up to this level, whether they play or they don't play, uh, like I said, they're they're being around the next level. Uh, I think I think Hextall is ready to give them opportunities. It, the young guys that he's used, Konechny and uh, and and that bunch, have showed they can play. And why not these guys? Yeah, I agree. Um, how about us talking a little Flyers hockey here with the team long out of the playoffs? Meanwhile, we have, I guess, a game seven. Is it tonight, the Lightning and Capitals? It is. It is. And I was going to mention that to you, Chet, uh, as we got to the end of the show, but I'll bring it up right now. It doesn't matter. I'm a Flyers hockey fan. I'm not a, a huge hockey fan to sit down and watch anybody play um, if it's not the Flyers. But there is nothing like game seven of a Stanley Cup uh, round. Yeah, I've, I've always said that. It doesn't matter. doesn't matter who's playing. Game seven, I haven't watched a whole lot of the postseason and, you know, since the Flyers have been eliminated, but I will definitely check out some of that game tonight as well as some of the Cavs and Celtics perhaps. So a uh, busy sports night, even though none of the Philly teams are involved other than the Phillies and Braves who are going at it right now. Yeah, and hey, I, I did want to also mention that Alexander Ovechkin, I mean, there's a lot. he got a lot of critics, but that guy can flat out score. The other night, when they were, they had their goalie pulled in a game they ended up losing. I believe it was two to one or maybe three to one with an empty netter, and he scored the one uh, late in the game. He played, and I might have this off by a second or two. He played the last four minutes and twenty six seconds of the last four uh, four minutes and thirty one seconds of the game. Really? Yep. <laughs> well, you don't see and that much. They're, they normally are on 45 to 50 second shifts, and right. he played four and a half straight minutes. Wow. And I think the only reason he, he was out for just those couple seconds is he went out and they ended up with a stoppage of play. Uh, after he got to the bench, he came right back out after the stoppage, and, uh, or he'd have played, you know, pretty much played the whole thing. But that's pretty yep. amazing. So, yes, it is. So, yeah, looking forward to that. And, uh, you know, the other. I was going to mention to you why we have one more minute to talk some hockey is uh, goaltending, Jeff. It comes back to goaltending. Verasic, Holtby, um, that guy out in Las Vegas, he's pretty good too. Flory. <laughs> Las Vegas, how about those Golden Knights, man? Um, you know, we should have put $1,000 on Vegas back in September last year, Bill, because they were 500 to one. We could make a half million dollars if they win the Stanley Cup Finals. 
actually, there is a guy who bet a thousand dollars on the on Vegas, and before they wow. won, before they won the round, while they were ahead in the round three to one, Vegas yeah. tried to buy him out. Oh, really? Yep, they tried to buy him out, and he wouldn't accept the buy. So he's sitting there with a thousand dollar ticket on five hundred to one. If they win, <laughs> well, this, if they win this. Yeah, and from what I heard, because you know they're based in Vegas, and a lot of people who live out in Vegas just decided to you know take a flyer on them last September, that the booking clubs out there, the betting parlors, they're going to lose a lot of money if Vegas wins at all. Yeah, well, that's why they're trying to buy them out. They can't afford yeah. to lose. Well, I'm sure they can afford it, but they, <laughs> they don't want to lose that kind of money. Well, hey, I hear you. Let's, uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. It'll be fun to watch them, and uh, it's going to be fun whether it's the Lightning or the uh, Capitals, I think, both, both good teams. Yep. Well, hey, uh, Chet, let's remind our listeners about our website, phillypressboxradio.com. We post articles off the big Philly sports events. We write some articles as well, and we have links to our shows, Vimeos, our sponsor pages as well. Be sure to check it out every day at phillypressboxradio.com. We're up to almost 30,000 visitors, Mr. Chesco. Nice. And they keep the scoreboard on there updated pretty well, too, for all our Philly teams. So, you know, if you don't have time to check out a live Phillies game or Sixers or Flyers when they're playing, just go to our website, and it'll give you the updated score right there, which is nice. Yes, it is. All right. Hey, Chet, uh, since you've had me on the Q2 hot seat for 10 weeks and I have passed that test, I got a few Sixers questions for you that uh, you've had a week or so to absorb the Sixers Celtic series. And uh, I got a few, few thoughts for you. You prepared? I'm not prepared at all, Bill, but fire away. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Four questions. You got about four minutes. So we'll, we'll get through this pretty quick. The Sixers have six picks in the upcoming NBA draft. Two first rounders, including the number 10 pick and four second rounders. There's not enough room for all these guys. You trying to pick and stash, or are you trading out? I would definitely trade a couple of them for sure. Maybe that lower first round pick. I think it's number twenty six, and maybe a couple of the second round picks. You don't need all those guys, so trade them away. Get some future picks that you might need down the road. That's what I would do. Okay, I, I you know I always hate that they have all these second round picks and none of them are going to make the team. You have four of them; they're yeah. not having nothing. So yep. that, that bothers me a little bit. That, you know, you're supposed to be stockpiling assets, but they're not assets if you can't use them. All right. Number two, Sixers management's made it pretty clear they feel like they can't win the title with what they have. You agree or not? I do agree. I, I did not necessarily agree before the series with the Celtics, but clearly the Celtics are the better team, and they're only going to get better once they get – uh, you know, fully healthy on their end with Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving coming back. Sixers aren't good enough just yet. Even if Simmons gets better, even if Embiid continues to get better and stays healthy, I think the Sixers still need another guy. And maybe it's a guy like LeBron James. Maybe it's a Paul George. Maybe it's Kawhi Leonard. I do think they need another big shot in the lineup. Okay, well, you mentioned Ben Simmons, and that was my next question. Were we both wrong on Simmons after what we saw in the Boston series? Does he have a shooting flaw that can't be fixed, and how much better can that shot get at this point? I don't think he's got a major flaw. I think it's really just a hesitancy to shoot. Because you watch him during warm-ups, and he's draining shots, not necessarily threes, but you know, certainly from the foul line area, uh, 15, 17-footers. In, in the game, I think he's just maybe fearing failure, and so he's not willing to take shots in a game. He took a few during the season, of course, but once playoff time came around and Boston got him off his game a little bit, he was just not willing to take any kind of shot beyond eight feet, it seemed. So he's got to get some confidence, and uh, you know, I'm sure they will tweak his shot a little bit, but I don't think he's got any major flaws with the shot. I think it's really just in his head, and don't get me started on Markel Fultz because you got a similar situation there. Yeah, well, Simmons, I think, is interesting. Fultz is a whole different story. Simmons is interesting because the Celtics just refused to cover him, and he refused to shoot. Um, yep. That That's troubling and something he's certainly got to take care of, and if it's just a confidence thing, go out and shoot. 
5,000. Yeah, I think he will get better. I, I'm, I'm convinced he will work on that a lot this summer and that you're going to see an even better Ben Simmons next year. All right. I hope you're right. And fourth and final question. We talked some weeks ago about LeBron James coming here and being a piece of that Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons team. But now after watching him continue to just be a total dominating force in these playoffs, are you ready to go all in to get him and make this Sixers LeBron's team? Uh, you know, I, I've grappled with this for the past year and a half since we first started hearing rumors of, you know, maybe LeBron coming here. Um, that talk, of course, picked up over the last month or two. Uh, I'm now much more willing to do it. Before this, I wanted to, you know, kind of stay with the, the purity of the process and just go with the guys that were drafted or you know, brought in otherwise a year or two ago. But now I just see that they do need another guy. And as Fred Hugo, Fred Hugo would tell us, that's still part of the process. It was getting all these assets and getting good enough that you can attract a prime free agent. So I think Fred may have a point on that. And, I mean, just as the Sixers brought in Moses Malone back in 1982-83, the Sixers could well bring in a LeBron James and win a title in the next year. So I'm okay with it. And, and that's the same Fred Hugo that already has Ben Simmons in the Hall of Fame, correct? <laughs> yeah, I'm not ready to go that far, but uh, I do like Simmons. Uh, me too, me too. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think anybody that doesn't want LeBron James to be playing for their team uh, doesn't want their team to win because he's just something special. Yes, indeed. Hey, uh, while we have one minute here, Bill, we talked about you being in Hawaii for nearly two weeks, I guess. Tell me about the trip in brief. What were some of the highlights? What did you love about it? Well, if you if you go to Kauai, uh, which is our favorite place to go, it's the most beautiful place I've ever seen in my life, uh, the Waimea Canyon is something special. Uh, it's the Grand Canyon of the West and the Garden Island. It's, it's basically the Grand Canyon if you've ever been there, and it's just all vegetation and just absolutely beautiful. Uh, the Nepali Coast is something – that you can only get to by land or air. And uh, so you go out on a boat ride to see the most beautiful sight your eyes have ever laid on. And uh, it, it's just fantastic. And we like, uh, we like Hanalei um, out there. It's a great place. And so we did all that. We did all of our sightseeing. We went fishing, as you, I think you saw. We, we had a good haul yep. on the fishing boat. And uh, that was cool. Caught a 30-pound uh fish that was that was a challenge that's why i had one of those muscle head boys of mine there to bring that in but uh <laughs> but it was a lot of fun and it was relaxing it's it's a bit of a long ride if you're not used to playing rides but uh you you entertain yourself but we uh beautiful scenery and just a beautiful place to relax loved seeing all the pictures and it's definitely on my bucket list so uh looking uh, forward to getting there one of these days yep and i'll tell you what if you know anybody that has timeshares um, you know, that can swap things out and get you places. You, you can get into one of them timeshares for a pretty good price with somebody that owns them. And uh, you can stay in a really nice place at a really reasonable price. If you go out there to try to rent a big house, you better have a lot of people coming because you're going to pay a lot of money. Gotcha. So, uh, yep. And, and I guess if there's only one downside to it, uh, which you just learned to use, is the island basically has one main road that goes around the three quarters of the island that you can get to. So you're on that same road everywhere you go. And if there's uh, it's only one lane each way. So it just takes yeah. a little time to get around, even though miles wise, it's not that big. Gotcha. All right. A lot of fun great. though. A lot of Thank fun. You, and, uh, appreciate you asking. I enjoyed the vacation. And we did, as I mentioned, we did uh, our show from the westernmost sports bar in the United States. So that was kind oh, of wow. Fun. Yeah, that was yeah. the week before. That's where I was, Calipacky yep. Joe's. Nice. All right, hey, Chet, want to get some signing updates, Carl's Cards and Collectibles and Havertown. Uh, they got some good stuff going on, and that's why we felt like we needed to get this back out again. Super guests, uh, Villanova's Chris Jenkins and Daryl Reynolds will be there this Saturday. You remember that, Chris Jenkins? And uh, He made a big shot, I believe. He, he made a pretty big shot back just a couple years ago, and he'll be there at uh, he couldn't be there back at the time because he was an underclassman. So uh, he is now at Carl's uh, this weekend. 
Nate Sudfeld and Duke Staley on June the 9th. You might have heard of those two guys with those yep. Super Bowl champion Eagles. And June 16th, the always popular Bernie Perrant and Andre Lacroix from the Flyers will be there on June 16th. So, great stuff. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. Carl still getting the big ones in there. Yes, he is. Hey, Chet, before we get to our parting shots, tell us who's coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week. Well, just like this week, Bill, we've got a first-time visitor joining us. And also, like this week, we'll be talking a lot of baseball with our guest. And, by the way, for those listening, Bill, 90% of the time, does not know whom I've lined up to join us when he asks about guests in this segment. And that's definitely the case this time around. So, here we go. Bill, our guest next week is a longtime baseball guy. He never played in the majors, but he did work for the Phillies for a long time as a scout. In fact, he was the head of amateur scouting for the Phils from 2002 through 2014, which means he was responsible for signing Cole Hamels, his first year in charge. And later, when he was also an assistant GM for the club, he inked guys like Aaron Altair, J.P. Crawford, Andrew Knapp, and yes, Aaron Nola and Reese Hoskins. The longtime baseball guy I'm referring to is Marty Wolliver. Marty Wolliver, who will be joining us live next week here on Philly Press Box Radio. Very good. Looking forward to that. These minor league guys, I'll tell you what, I've dealt with a lot of these scouts at the high school level, seeing them come watch players, and, man, what a grueling job. If people think it's easy, it is not easy. I can tell you that. Yeah. Hey, Marty was, Marty's that, been Cole in the game Hamels, a long time. Keep, speaking that, of that, Cole Hamels, I'm going to pass out the first rumor. Uh, we missed this in our Phillies talk because we got away from it, but I'm going to pass out this rumor, Chet. The Phillies are going to be buyers. And Cole Hamels is on the top of that list. He will be pitching in Philadelphia come July. Uh, I would not be shocked. If the Phillies are in contention, they're certainly going to consider it. And as long as Hamels is healthy and still getting it done, I mean, he would certainly be a guy you're going to target. So let's hope that all of that happens. Well, you heard it here first to Philly Press Box Radio. <laughs> okay. All right. Hey, Chet, I wanted to throw out, just came out today, this uh, – National Anthem ruling in the National Football League. I find this really, really interesting. Uh, The league is basically saying the players will not kneel. They will not hold arms. They will not put their hand in the air. Um, That will not happen, or they will be fined. The club will be fined, uh, but they don't have to come out for the National Anthem. What do you think of that? Boy, I have mixed emotions about all of this, Bill. On the one hand, I'd love to see all players stand and respect the anthem. But on the other hand, I do think everyone has a right to peacefully protest. Who was the kneeling protest hurting? Maybe it cost the NFL a few thousand viewers, but hey, that's life. Okay, there's a new rule in place, and maybe this will all finally go away now. However, who's to say the players won't find other means of protesting? You might think this puts the issue to the rest to rest, but... I don't know. Maybe the protest will take a different form and there will be something else for everybody to get all ticked off about. So I don't think this is over by a long shot. I think uh, a lot of the players are not happy with this decision. They weren't really, um, you know, talked to about it. It was just the NFL putting down this mandate. We've already had some players coming out against it. We've had the Jets chairman, I believe, saying that if the players want to protest, he will gladly pay their fines. So, yeah, we're going to hear a lot more about this between now and September, I think. Yeah, and, and you know, I think that the, the key to this is a couple thousand viewers that, that you mentioned, it was, it, it was down 10%. Viewership was down 10%. This is, a, this is a business decision by the NFL that's basically saying, we don't care what the players want or think they want. And well, this is what we're going to do to run the business. And I, I guess I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I was dead against all that protesting. Um, but you know what? I'm a little bit against you telling me I can't do it. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. So I saw a lot of great uh, tweets about it too. By the way, I, one guy tweeted: In the NFL, we respect the flag and the anthem and whatever Bud Light's latest marketing campaign is. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I think uh, I think this is going to be interesting. Um, like you say, I, I just uh, – I have a right and you have a right as a fan to not watch. If we don't like it, don't watch. But I think, again, I wouldn't do it at my workplace and my workplace wouldn't tolerate it. But that doesn't mean I shouldn't have the right to do it. Exactly, yeah. So we kind of yeah. agree. 
We we kind of do agree, and, and actually, I'm even surprised I uh, I even went there, but that's that's kind of what I think. <laughs> hey, one final topic for you, and I haven't read all the way through this, but I want to get your opinion on this legalized gambling law that went into place. I see this as possibly a huge, huge problem. What's your thoughts? I don't know about the problem. I think it's pretty exciting, actually. I've never really done a whole lot of betting, like through a bookie or whatever. Um, so I'm pretty excited about the possibility. I don't think it's going to really jeopardize the integrity of the sport. I think there's going to be enough rules in place. I think the leagues are still going to tell you know the players and mandate that there is no betting on your own games, certainly, and hopefully even on your own sport. I think that should be you know one of the rules. Um, it's going to be interesting, but I mean you know it's going to happen. You're going to have New Jersey and Delaware very soon announcing the legalized betting procedures. And Pennsylvania, from what I understand, is going to be several months down the road. They have some stuff to work out with the tax rates and all that. But it's going to happen. And I'm not overly concerned about any, you know, snafus. Well, you know, I don't know how much on a day-to-day basis the players, let's just talk in the NFL, that the players know what the lines are. You know, maybe they do, and I'm naive. I'm thinking they got far other things to worry about than what the betting line is. But – you know, if the decision comes down to my brother has a bunch of money on so-and-so team at so-and-so points, and if I miss this field goal, he's going to win. We're still going to win the game, but I'm going to, you know, not make this a five-point spread. It's just a two-point spread. Yeah. I, I don't know how you. I don't know how you control that. It just it, it's too free. If it's going to be part of every pregame show and every every radio show and everything all week what the lines are. I, I just see that as a problem. You know, do, do you make that empty net goal at the end of the game if it makes it a three-goal game instead of a two-goal game? We're going to have to revisit this whole thing. We're going to have to do a whole segment on this in the next uh, few weeks, I think, Bill. Yeah, I think so, too. And, and I say I, I need to do a little more homework on it to, to really understand it all. But it just seems like, uh, you know, the more it's out there, the more people are going to know. And it just sounds like it could be troubling. We'll see. All right. Well, Mr. Chesko, how about a parting shot for you tonight? Yeah, the NBA playoffs are continuing, and it seems that the East and West finals are pretty darn good battles. Both the Celtics-Cavs series and the Warriors-Rockets matchup are dead even at two games apiece as we speak here on Wednesday evening. I know that as a sports guy, I should be watching the playoffs intently, but once the Sixers got eliminated by the Celtics, I just haven't had the same level of interest. I'll check out a few minutes here and there, and I'll watch the highlights later that night or the following morning, but I just haven't been swayed to watch a whole game. Now, if there's a game seven in either series, I'll watch, and I'll certainly watch larger chunks of the NBA Finals. But in the meantime, with no Sixers or Flyers playoff games to watch anymore, I've at least been able to knock off a bunch of TV episodes that have clogged up my DVR over the last couple of months, and I'm pretty happy about that. Oh, you're too much. Hey, game seven tonight. Be sure you're watching. With I'll that, check that one out. We've reached the top of the hour. Let's thank our special guest, Jim Payton, Irish Rover Station House, and Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com for their continued support of the show. For Jim Chechesko, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, May 30th at 7 p.m. You can listen through our website, Philly Press Box Radio, our Facebook page, or on the Internet at, we'll still say, blogtalkradio.com slash Philly Press Box Radio, or on iTunes, Stitcher, Tune in and Mixcloud. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans, Philadelphia Eagles, Super Bowl champions. Hi.